Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2441. Today we're going to continue our series of looks into the mysteries surrounding Moff Gideon. And in particular today, we're going to go back to the very beginning and the encampment on Arvala 7 where Grogu was being held. Punch it. <laughs> Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So let's go back to chapter one of The Mandalorian, season one, episode one, also called The Mandalorian, called The Pilot from time to time. This is the episode where The Mandalorian first meets Grogu and this is an odd situation when you step back and think about it. Basically, Arvala 7 is supposed to be a hideout, a hideaway, where all of these mercenaries have Grogu stashed, but it's really the biggest open secret in the sector. After all, when the Mandalorian meets up with Queel, Queel tells him that ever since those mercenaries arrived, it's basically been a traffic jam on Arvala 7 with mercenary after mercenary after bounty hunter coming to seek their fortune. So it seems like a lot of people know what's going on on Arvala 7, or at the very least know that there is a band of mercenaries there protecting a high value asset. And maybe the nature of the asset isn't widely known, but certainly the fact that these guys are hiding out and protecting it, well, that seems to be very well known. And yet, and yet, they're not leaving, <laughs> right? I mean, the fact that Quill has said that, you know, a lot of mercenaries have shown up trying to collect the bounty, and clearly they haven't been successful, but because of the fact that so many people have come and tried their hand at this, I, I don't know, I guess the mercenaries are thinking to themselves, ah, everything's gonna be fine, you know, we can handle anything that comes after us. But they're also not thinking to themselves, gee whiz, a lot of people are finding us, maybe we should find a new hideout. That is really odd in and of itself. So the next step that you take is to wonder who <laughs> is paying them and why are they there? And the thing that occurs to me is that the huts have to be involved in this. And the reason why I think this has to do with the fact that the huts have for a very long time enslaved the Nikto people, and those are Nikto that you see guarding Grogu. They're Nikto mercenaries. And 
if you take a stroll down Wikipedia lane, you find out that there are three primary subspecies of Nikto that have been introduced to us in various Star Wars storytelling, at least in the current canon, right? And the ones with which we are most familiar are the green Nikto, and I'm going to try the actual full pronunciation, Kadas Sa Nikto, and also the red Nikto, or the Kajane Sa Nikto. And if you want to go all the way back to classic vintage action figures, the Nikto in the Return of the Jedi release for the way back 1983 original action figures, that was a green Nikto. So the green and the red Nikto for sure, not necessarily the third subspecies, the mountain Nikto, um, but the red and the green were enslaved by the Hutt clans when they discovered their home planet, Kintan. As for when that enslavement ended, well, we know it happened sometime after the death of Jabba the Hutt and Return of the Jedi. We just don't know how far into the future that happened. We do know that in the novel Bloodline by Claudia Gray, which takes place in 28 ABY, so that would be 24 years after Return of the Jedi and six years before The Force Awakens, there is a criminal named Rinriven D, I believe it is, and he is of the Nikto species, and they revere Leia Organa as the Hut Slayer for her work in killing Jabba the Hutt. And apparently that helped lead to a waning level of influence for the huts in the galaxy, which eventually led the Nikto to be able to throw off their bonds of enslavement and be able to operate on their own. And in fact, you know, that started happening early enough where, you know, some Nikto were actually working with the Rebel Alliance as they were transitioning to the New Republic and helping the Alliance slash Republic fight against the Imperial Remnant, or Imperial Remnants plural, <laughs> I should say. So, what does this have to do with the Mandalorian? Well, the Nikto who are guarding Grogu, if you watch more carefully chapter one, which, you know, I had not by this time, so I went back and looked again, and the fine folks at Wikipedia have already done a lot of this work too, but the Red Nikto are the majority of the Nikto who are guarding Grogu, and there are a few green Nikto faces in there as well. So these are the Nikto who were enslaved by the Hutt clan at least through the events of Return of the Jedi, and even the novel Aftermath suggests that there's still some bickering going on about who is going to be taking over leadership in the wake of Jabba's demise, around the Hutt clan, the Grand Hutt Council, if you will. And jumping ahead all the way to Bloodline, we know that the Nikto are free, but we don't necessarily get an idea of when that freedom happened. I don't think that it's a recent thing, but you know, it's certainly plausible that the Nikto could still be under Hutt control by the time we meet them in the Mandalorian. Complicating that, is the fact that we see Bib Fortuna on Jabba's throne in the final episode of season two of The Mandalorian and Boba Fett coming to take over. But that could be a situation where rather than one hut deciding that they were gonna have control over Jabba's palace and all of Jabba's holdings and activities and whatnot, they could have just installed Bib Fortuna there to hold the fort down for 
you know, as long as they needed him to while they sorted their own business out in between themselves with, you know, the leaders of the Hut clans, right? And just split the proceeds in the meantime, although you have to imagine that some sort of scheming would have been happening to try to get control of the operation overall. And so from here, we get to the question of how does Moff Gideon play into all of this? Well, as far as him finding out about the existence of Grogu, he had to have known that it was a Force-sensitive character being held by the Nikto mercenaries because why else would he go after it considering the experiments that he's been pursuing, right? There's no particular reason for him to be invested in this search. And yet, and yet, he has to do it by degrees away. In other words, he has to be able to acquire the asset while having nothing to do with the acquisition thereof. And so that's why the whole operation is funneled through the client, Warner Herzog, and from there funneled to a bounty hunter, in particular the Mandalorian, or as many <laughs> bounty hunters have been hired for this whole gig. And so why wouldn't Moff Gideon want to be connected to this? Couple of reasons, potentially. Number one, to keep a low profile for himself. I mean, it seems like he's happy enough to be a warlord in his region, but keep some of these other, you know, secretive experimental activities to himself, number one. Number two would be that Gideon has some sort of working alliance, or at least some above-board understanding established with the Huts that would mean that if he were to acquire the asset, he would have to do it in a way that had nothing to do with him, so as not to anger the huts and not cause problems with whatever agreement or understanding he has with them whatsoever. And the third possibility, which is kind of the opposite of that, is that he has no working agreement with the huts and in fact has an antagonistic relationship with them and yet still needs to keep this below board so that way he does not anger them. Perhaps, you know, the huts are still in a strong enough position to do him damage or, you know, call the New Republic in to, you know, pay attention to him. That's what makes me think that maybe there's more of a working relationship that we don't know about yet and that he has to kind of go, you know, as off to the side and undercover as he can for you know, this operation. There is one other bit of information that hopefully we'll get later this year, actually, even before season three of The Mandalorian comes out, that might help with some speculation in this regard or help put some of the pieces together. And that's when the Mandalorian guide from DK Publishing comes out later this year. Hopefully it will actually have some sort of galactic map that will tell us where some of the locations in The Mandalorian are. But Tatooine and Trask, which is one system trailing away from Tatooine, are not too far away from Hut space. And of course, Tatooine is where Jabba the Hut held sway. So it stands to reason that if things are happening in that area of the galaxy for the Mandalorian, that Hut involvement could well be a situation. And I say that knowing that I did an episode previously speculating about the location of Navarro as our home base and thinking that it could actually be further up north, so in the northeast corner of the galaxy, somewhere near Mandalore, because of course we have some significant Mandalorian connections in the Mandalorian that we've seen so far beyond just the titular character. But 
part of that theorizing was also done around the idea that the planet Trask was actually Mon Cala because we were seeing just snippets of it in preview footage and whatnot and Mon Cala is in the general vicinity and so hoping possibility for the possibility that the planet Navarro was located somewhere in the general vicinity of where Mandalore was established and where Moncala was established, but clearly that's not the case. And so maybe it's going to turn out that we're more in that southeastern quadrant of the galaxy instead, which then brings up the question, how did Moff Gideon wind up there? <laughs> so yes, mystery upon mystery upon enigma. And that is where we're going to leave things for this episode as well. But if you have thoughts about who possibly hired all these Nikto mercenaries and who we're going to encounter in future seasons of The Mandalorian as a result of that whole operation. I'd love to hear it. Share your thoughts. YouTube.com slash SW7X7, Facebook.com slash SW7X7, or home base for the show at SW7X7.com. And that is going to do it for the show today. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. 7 by 7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited by their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7 by 7 We hope you love it.